Leaderpreneur Show, Episode 3, Dealing with Failure. Let's go. Welcome back to the Leaderpreneur Show. I'm with my great and good friend, Michael Tanner. My name is Stephen Faust, and we are so excited to be talking with you today. Michael, how's it going today? It's good, Stephen. How are you, man? I'm excited about episode number three as well. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I'm doing awesome. And uh, we just finished our our weekly mastermind uh, discussion. So I got a lot of great value and accountability out of that. And I'm just really looking forward to uh, sharing the leadership topic of the week and maybe talking a little behind the scenes when we get done. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Let's jump awesome. into a leadership topic of failure. How about that? Let's do it. That sounds like a good one to start with. Failure, huh? <laughs> yeah, failure. It, it, it's, it's funny. You know, failure is such a negative word in our language, but it doesn't always have to mean that when it comes to business, though. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so scary and, and all that. I mean, we can actually um, learn from it. You know, there's a cliche out there, uh, like them or hate them. Uh, I don't put a lot of weight in cliches and all, but it's uh, the cliche is something along the lines of, you know, I've never failed, I've only, or I've never lost, I've only learned, right? Or I've never failed, I've only learned. Um, yeah, you know, take it or leave it, these cliches, but there's a lot of wisdom in that, right? Um, not viewing it as failure or losing, but rather viewing it as an opportunity to learn. And so I thought we'd just uh, talk through some some strategies for that, some steps for how to deal with failure. Um, you know, I've got a, a a story. Well, I've got plenty of stories around failure. That makes two video, of us. You, that makes two of us. Yeah, I mean, plenty of content there we can share. Um, I, I know I've got a YouTube video out there, and I know you watched it uh, of a recent failure. I told the quick story of uh, my thumb. Uh, for those that uh, that don't know in the listening audience, I broke my thumb a few months ago. I had a first surgery where they put pins in it. And then the doctor released me for physical therapy. Uh, but the physical therapist and the doctor, you know, they're putting these guidelines on how much I should be exercising the thumb. Well, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm impatient and all that. And so I went way above and beyond what they recommended me doing. And before you know it, uh, the bone's not healed the way it's supposed to be because of all the extra I'm doing to it. And I ended up having to have a second surgery. And I just remember the doctor's appointment where he did the x-ray and said, oh, this isn't good. We got to do a second surgery. We got to put a plate and screws in your thumb. I was demoralized. And even more so, I felt like a failure because I it hit me and instantly I knew, man, I went way above and beyond what they recommended I do. You know, and I'm, I'm kind of, this is my fault. And if I hadn't have done this, you know, if I hadn't have been impatient, if I hadn't, have, you know, gone too hard on, on the, the physical therapy, then I wouldn't be needing a second surgery. I wouldn't need screws and pins and, you know, there's a bunch of money involved in all that. And then I got more, you know, more months of physical therapy. I'm still in physical therapy, you know, so never ends. Kind of, yeah. You just kind of feel like a failure on, man, why did I, why didn't I listen to the, you know, so that was just one episode of failure to me, but then I had to, I had to deal with that, right? How do I deal with that? How do I, and, and in our leadership roles and in our, team member, you know, being a team member and so forth, there's going to be times where we feel like we failed in some way, shape, form, or fashion, right? And Absolutely. so then how do we deal with that? Well, 
in my view, the first thing that you need to do in dealing with failure, where it's your, whether it's your own failure or maybe it's the failure of your team as a whole, or maybe it's even an individual on your team. I think the first thing you got to do is just acknowledge that people feel like it's a loss or they feel like it's a failure. So to some degree, you've got to grieve that, right? You've got to allow some type of time or activity to just acknowledge, okay, we, we didn't hit the goal here or we're late with this project or whatever it might be, right? Whatever is making you feel like a failure, there's got to be some time of period there where you just acknowledge it and you just allow yourself or maybe others to just grieve the fact that, all right, we messed up. Right? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I agree. It's, you know, life is a series of failures. Um, that, that's that's the reality, I think. And it reminds me of a quote that um, you're familiar with Zig Ziglar, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Good, good old Zig. Zig's uh, mm-hmm. uh, really one of the he's best. He's probably the only guy that's got a more Southern accent than me. That's true. He's from L.A., lower Alabama, as he always <laughs> <Exactly>. said. <laughs> but, you know, Zig always said, I think this was in his uh, book, Over the Top, uh, and I used to listen to Zig uh, just all the time. That guy was just, uh, he connected with me in so many ways. But he he had a quote that he used to say, and it and it resonates here with this topic. It's, failure is an event, not a person, oh, right? Nice, yes. And, and uh-huh. Zig Ziglar said that. And when he said that, it, it's it's one of those things that just it sticks with you. And And what we do in life is we fail and we get yeah. better. It's, it's not failing and, you know, just staying down. It's failing and standing up and failing and f- failing forward. So I tell my team and, and talk to folks all the time about if, if you're going to fail, learn something from it, as you, as you yep. said, right. Learn something from it, take something away from it. You're going to feel anytime there's a failure, you're it's natural to feel that sense of loss and that grieving that you that you spoke of. And mm-hmm. because we know in our heart, in our mind that something didn't go right and and it it feels like a loss and it and we do feel in some ways like, you know, quote unquote, a failure. But really, we have to turn that upside down and recognize that it was a series of things that happened that caused us to fail or to experience this event we call failure. And it, it's likely, you know, decisions were made that could have been made differently. We executed something, a plan that we could have uh, tweaked and done differently. We uh, empowered people that, that maybe needed more coaching or help, Mm -hmm. and we could have done things differently. And, and all failure is, is recognizing that there was an opportunity to do something better to reach a goal um, that's worth reaching. And any meaningful goal is, is risk. You have this risk of failure yeah. with anything meaningful yeah. in life. So yeah. th- those are my initial thoughts on it. And um, your video really resonated with the thumb and you holding up the cast and, right. and, you know, did the doctor actually say that you did anything wrong or did he say, no, it doesn't matter. None of that really impacted this. No, he didn't accuse me. Okay. And neither did the physical therapist. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to be completely transparent and, and say that they also weren't aware of all the stuff I was doing on my own to push the limits, right? So, uh, but no, they didn't. You know, he mentioned that because it it was a, a I'm not going to get too gory for folks, but it was a broken bone with a with an open wound. Yeah. And before this, I didn't know the case, but uh, 
broken bones um, have a really high risk of not healing back together when there's an open wound. Didn't yeah. know that. But, but now I do. But if you break it down to the root cause, I think the root cause, you go back to how you, if I recall, uh, you were fixing that fence. Yes. Right? That yes. post and how you decided to do it. That's where the failure occurred in of that course, process. Of course. Right? I, got, I got frustrated. I was hot. I was tired. I was angry. I wanted to finish the day. I was getting yeah. in a hurry. Uh, impatience gets me into a lot of trouble. And actually. isn't that isn't that the case in so many failures, though, in business and in life? It's impatience. I totally agree. It's impatience. It's just like they say accidents occur generally really close to your home. Right. So right? You, you, you start to let your guard down. That's right. right. You get, you, you lose your focus and things like that. So treat, so treat failures, you know, like your thumb and treat it like a car accident where they happen close to home. It's, it's just staying focused throughout the entirety of the event that, that, that last 10% might be a, 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 an environment where failure is more likely to occur. And yeah. it's just something to think about and, and manage, um, make one decision differently, make, make one uh, relationship, uh, you know, operate a little bit differently and, and build your team a little bit differently. There's so many mm -hmm. different things that you can do just yep. on the margins that yep. can really create, um, turn failure into success. Yeah, I totally agree. You, you know, and, and you mentioned something I wanted to respond to as well, especially for the leaders in, in our audience. As, as we talk about this grieving phase of, of how to deal with failure, uh, especially if you're in a leader position, you, you got to recognize what you mentioned there from Zig Ziglar about failure being an event, not a person. Because so easily can we personalize failure, right? So uh, in, in my world, Project planning is a big, big deal, right? And with project planning comes dates, right? Milestones right. and dates. And if you are the project manager and you miss a date, it's easy to internalize that or personalize that and say, well, I'm a failure because the project missed a date. And as a leader, we, we need to let our people grieve, if you will. There needs to be some grief there, but we can't let them internalize it. We can't let them personalize to begin to feel like they're the failure. Uh, it, it, like Zig says, it, it is the event or it's right. the breakdown in the process or the execution or some, of something. It's not the person, right? Because if you, if, if you allow them to blame themselves, then when do they turn the corner and get back up and start, start back down the path of succeeding again, they can stay in this, this, uh, trough of failure, mm -hmm. uh, and, and this, this feeling that that brings on and it can paralyze them from being successful tomorrow, the next day and throughout a career, especially if they work for people and have leaders that don't recognize how to treat failure and how to respond mm -hmm. to failure. Right. Because yep. we've worked for, we've worked for folks. We, I think we talked about some of them in, in our last episode. That's you know, you work for these people who have this kind of hammer approach and pound, 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 and they oftentimes do not understand how to uh, manage through failure and manage through uh, tough times. And they only know how to, to beat people harder. And it does yeah. not result in uh, an environment that, that anyone, me or you, want to be a part of. 
No, I agree. But, but it can also, building that culture of blame can happen in, in such a way that we don't even see it coming. So, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, if, if you've missed, you know, the project team has missed a milestone and the project manager, if that project manager starts to feel personally as a failure, they are the failure. Maybe you as the leader, you're not blaming them, you know, if you will, you're not quote blaming them or you're not placing fault on them. But if you allow them to feel like they're the personal failure, then what's going to start to happen is your team is going to start to develop a culture of blame, right? They feel blamed, even though you're not actively blaming them. Now, certainly in the case that you're talking about where you've got the, you know, the authoritative figure that just pounding the table and, and getting on to people for missing a milestone. Right. Well, certainly they feel blamed in that case, but even if it, maybe you're just kind of, if you will, keeping quiet about it, about the failure but if you allow your team members to internalize it and personalize it as if I'm a failure, then your team is going to develop this culture of blame, even though you're as the leader, not truly blaming them. So that's why it's important to intentionally be on the lookout for and have intentional conversations. Like I do this all the time uh, with our, my project managers uh, when they, uh, when there's a milestone within the project or even the end of the project is missed, the dates missed. Yeah, we, you know, we get aggressive about, well, how can we get the date back in and how can we fix this and so forth? But I have, I, I'm intentional in those cases to have conversations with my project managers say, look, this is not your fault, right? This is not, you can't put this on you personally. We as a team, we missed a milestone. We're going to recover from it as a team. We're going to do, right? So I have to be intentional about not allowing that project manager to personalize or internalize that failure because yeah. they will build up in themselves, this attitude or this feeling of I'm always to blame every time we miss a milestone. And as a and leader, you just can't let that happen. Yeah, you're right. Exactly right. And as a leader, that's part of our responsibility to make sure that yes. we, that we lead the team in a way that doesn't create that, that blame culture. Right. So it's yeah. so important. It's so important. It's an intentional proactive thing that we have to do. Right. A lot of leaders will just say, well, no, I don't blame anybody. Well, that's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is to intentionally and, and proactively communicate with your team to make sure they don't feel personally that's right. like they've uh, a failure. Right. And that, that's where uh, the connection and the relationships you have with your team, one-on-ones mm. uh, yeah. -on that you're doing on a regular basis. So, so folks really feel the connection to their leader and can talk about those things. It's uh, making sure that um, uh, there's clarity and what the goals are. It's all of these things that, that lead to uh, an opportunity for people to be successful. And then when things don't go as advertised and, Hey, we live in a world where, you know, we put targets out there and we're being aggressive and we're going after yep. something big and we're going to fall short on occasion and we need to understand why. So the best way to understand why is to have that connection and engagement with the team because the team understands best why things have not happened. And for us to try yep. to, to fill in those gaps as a leader without their input, we're just doomed to fail ourselves yep. that way. So, I no, I, I agree. Well, so let's get to, to step number two. Otherwise, we're going to run completely out of time here. But uh, that was a great co coverage of the grieving process there. Yeah. But the second thing, and we've alluded to it a couple of times here just in our conversation, is we've got to learn from this, right? So, uh, you know, again, in my case where we have a project 
and we've missed a milestone, uh, well, we, we oftentimes we focus on, well, how can we get the, the project back on course or how can we recover the next milestone or whatever it might be, you know, as a team, how can we come together, get this project back on track? But if we're not intentional, we'll fail to, in a retrospective manner, learn from why did we miss the milestone to start with, right? So we got to be really, really intentional and purposeful about taking the time to pause and think about, and what did we learn through this failure, right? Thoughts there? Yeah. F- failure without learning something is, is just kind of the worst thing, right? It's, it's, you go through this pain, this grief, this setback. And if you don't learn something to apply differently in the next the next time this happens or something similar happens, you're doing yourself and your team a real disservice. So yeah. uh, it's, it's not about if failure occurs, it's when failure occurs, stand up, dust yourself off, take something from the experience, apply it differently next time and get a, get an experience, a different outcome. Now the key is, and I think we would agree that you can't make the same mistake over and over again, right? You got to learn. Right, right. Right. And I think some people get caught up in, hey, it's okay to fail. And, you know, my boss tells me, my leader tells me, oh, it's okay to be, uh, you know, to, to fail on this. And then they go out and they fail on the same thing over yeah. and over again. That's sloppy. That's yeah. different. T- totally agree. I have a saying there, and I think I made this one up. I don't yeah. think this is one that I heard and just reused, but I have a saying regarding that. And it is make sure the mistakes you make today are new ones. Absolutely. Make sure the mistakes you make today are new ones. I tell that to my team all the time. And, and again, you know, as a part of that, I'm saying, I understand we're going to make mistakes and they're okay, but learn from them such that tomorrow you're not making the same mistake. Exactly what you, you were just alluding to, you know, and, and to go back to the, to the Zig Ziglar uh, statement you used earlier. And just a take of that is the event that he talks about, it really only becomes a true failure if you don't learn from it right. in some way, right? So yeah, it's just an event. And the only way to make it a true failure is if we don't learn from it in some way. No, I agree. Uh, and, and again, much like the not letting people take on the personal grief, you know, we got to be intentional about, you know, taking the time to pause and look back on the, the, the event and say, well, what went wrong? What, what did we not know? Or what did we, forget about or whatever it might be, you know, and we got to be really, really intentional about that. Cause like I said, for, for me, again, in the, in the scope of a project, we really focus in on, well, how can we recover? And we get really, really busy about recovering the project schedule, but if we're not careful, we'll totally overlook. Well, right here, right now in the heat of the moment, if you will, we need to think about that miss, that milestone miss. And you know, what did we, what do we need to correct? Right. Um, So do it in the heat of the moment, do it right then and do it intentionally and purposeful. Don't let it, don't forget about it. Right. Yeah. You got to learn from it. Absolutely. And, and, and when you have a team, uh, when you lead a team that, that understands that failure is an event and not a per and not a person. And when you have a team that recognizes that they have a leader who supports them learning through failure, Mm -hmm. learning Mm -hmm. by failure, your team becomes less uptight your team becomes yes. uh, less tense and stressed and they can loosen up and then really get the, get the, the true uh, capabilities that they have out there and can really take it to another level of performance as well. T- 
totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And I've got a, so let me share, I've got a third step, if you will, yeah, sure. um, that I, that I like to add to this. Now we could, we could easily stop there, right? Acknowledge and grieve the loss uh, or the failure and then just learn from it. We could easily stop there, but especially in the, uh, in the context of a team, I really like to add this third step of uh, teach what you've learned. Okay. Especially in the context of a team, if we don't, well, two, th- two things. When I learn enough about something that I can teach it, I know I really, really know it when I can teach it. But second, the rest of your team doesn't benefit from your learning if you don't share it, right? So yeah, you, you know, you feel bummed out, you grieve a little bit that you missed a milestone, you do a retrospective on it and you come up with some things that you know you should do better or differently next time. But then if you just keep that to yourself, What's to say that the team member next to you isn't going to make the exact same mistake tomorrow? Yep. Nothing is going to prevent that if you don't teach it. So I like to put that third step there of you got to share this with others. Now, a lot of folks get really, really, you know, they, they get wigged out by this idea because, again, this this starts to feel personal. I'm airing my dirty laundry, if you will, or I'm I'm telling people about my failure. So, again, you can't. If you let people internalize it and personalize it in that first step, you can almost guarantee they're not going to do this third step of teaching it because then it, again, it feels like I'm airing my own dirty laundry. I'm a failure and I'm going to tell the rest of my team about it. Yeah. It just won't happen if that first step wasn't handled properly. Yeah. It's such an important, you know, aspect of this and that component of teaching or coaching and sharing because you got to pay it forward, right? You got to, you got to teach. You got to teach not only your team. You got to you got to get that out there in the organization um, because it's a it's a culture of learning that when people learn through failing it, and learn that it's it's not this evil negative thing that um, uh, the organization as as a, a large group can begin to see success that they've never seen before and and it, it's don't keep it if you're a leader out there and you. And you, and you have a team that you've got honed in and they understand this concept and they recognize the value of failing the right way and learning from it and not repeating those failures. And that can then uh, find its way throughout the entire organization, person by person, team by team, day by day, the organization will begin to achieve things that it could never think of achieving in the past. And that's the way yes. I view that as well. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's awesome. Okay. So, hey, man, let's, let's talk about, um, we, we've failed enough. Let's talk about uh, what's going on inside of our oh, businesses. Boy. And, uh, I, and I failed so plenty. I've play, I failed, uh, I failed a lot and um, I, I continue to, to fail and learn and, you know, take those risks and, and uh, just try to get better. That's the goal. Try to get a little bit better every day, knowing that you're going to take a step back here and there, but just yep. work to get better. So, Behind the scenes, so I'll kick it off. Um, for me, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, my self-accountability, and that's the type of accountability we learned we can have, is only be accountable to ourselves, right? We, right. we learned that yep. in another discussion, but my accountability around my email list. So we talked a bit about that, and mm-hmm. I think I had uh, 17 I discussed last week, and I went in and checked that, and I am. Um, I think that number was a little lower than what I actually had, but I am at 25 right now. 
And that does include, that does include my dog and my family and everybody <laughs> else. So, you know, I, I stipulate that, but, um, yeah, 25 is better than zero. And, and you said it last week. And if you had 25 people sitting in your living room, right. Just think of the impact that that would have and the message that, um, you could share. So when you put it into that perspective, it's, it's not, it's not zero. It feels, it feels significant. No way it's not zero. I hope you got a big living room and lots of extra chairs. <laughs> 25 people in my yeah, house. That might be tough. A little bit. That'd be a yeah. big food bill. That'd be a big buffet <laughs> or something. I don't know. But, uh, but it's something we try to get, uh, I try to get a lot better at is, is more consistency around my email list. What about you? How's your email list looking? Well, um, unfortunately, uh, mine didn't go up any this week. In fact, it went down one. Uh, so we talked yeah. about that. So I've, I've got some uh, broadcast emails going out for a career advancement uh, video series that I'm offering, you know, and I, and I had someone that uh, I guess feels like they don't need career advancement or certainly don't need these emails from me on a consistent basis. So they opted out perfectly fine. I'm good yeah. with that. Um, you know, as we talked, you and I talked about that earlier, you mentioned, well, that's not an ideal audience member. That's right. And exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I think if, I think if you, if you, you know, and a lot of people do this because I've, I've heard about people doing this and people have told me about it. They get so personally, emotionally attached to their email list changes that it can, it can paralyze you. So yeah, it is. The email list is what it is. And uh, if you're going to have the right people on there and if they don't want to be on there, that's cool. I mean, we still, right. we still appreciate them and they can listen and learn, but if they don't want to be on our list, that's okay too. And uh, no, no harm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, the, you know, to the to the extent of that ideal list of people on there, right? So what we what you and I are both trying to do is we're trying to provide fa value for those folks that are on the email list. And if the type of content and all that we're putting out there is not resonating with them, uh, then yeah, we don't want to waste their time and exactly. waste uh, you know the inbox. You you know this as well as I do. The inbox is a valuable piece of real estate. It sure is. Um, and I don't want a bunch of junk in there. And yeah. I recognize my audience doesn't either. And so if the content we're sharing with them doesn't resonate, then I don't want it in their inbox any more than they want yeah. it in their inbox. Right. And like um, you, I, I know you do this as well, but I protect my audience yes. and my subscribers like uh, they're, they're family to me. Right. And sure. yeah. I'm not sharing those emails. I'm not, uh, those are, are like personal direct relationships that I take very seriously and manage right. accordingly. Well, and tell me, you know, based on what your comments last week of wanting to kind of build up your, your email list um, and the fact that you and I both, we want to provide content that resonates with our audience and so forth. Tell me what, what, what are you giving to those opting into your email list? What, what kind of value are you trying to provide for them? There? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my, I have a lead magnet out there that's, um, I'm in the aerospace industry, uh, be it the repair and overhaul space or the manufacturing space. And I have a lead magnet, magnet out there called the MRO Leader's Guide. And MRO stands for Maintenance, Repair and Overhaul. So it's the, uh, you can think of it as the aftermarket side of the aerospace business, but it's a four-step guide that talks about how to recover a poor performing uh, R&O, repair and overhaul, aftermarket business, how to get get an underperforming business performing well again, and then how to take that to a, even another 
level of yeah. success. So that's uh, something I have out on uh, Amazon as well. It's a completely free download. You can get it at aerospaceleader.com or you can get it directly at MROleaderguide.com. So I do have a, a few ways to get that. And um, for me, in, in this email list discussion, that is uh, something of value that I put together, that I wrote, that I'm giving in exchange for value back, which is an email address that we can yeah. stay connected on a go forward basis. And this thing's a big, big deal. I mean, you didn't, uh, I don't think you gave it credit there. Maybe you're just being humble, but this is not a little one pager with four bullets on the four steps of this MRO process that you're talking about. I mean, this thing is a serious ebook right. packed with tons of information. Uh, I'm not even in the aerospace industry, but I'm convinced these four steps uh, will will recover your MRO yep. uh you know, capabilities. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. It's about a 25 page ebook that um, really it's, it's 30 years of experience and living through this, that, um, that, that kind of brought, brought this together. It's, it's going through and kind of on our topic of failure, my failures through this and what I've learned and how I've moved forward from these failures and a lot of trial and error and, and being in organizations that were full turnarounds and aftermarket groups and repair and overhaul businesses and living through that on a firsthand basis and leading those organizations and figuring out what works and what doesn't work now condensed and packed into this, you know, what I think is a very succinct four-step process that any aftermarket professional, uh, aerospace aftermarket professional leader, uh, GM can take a look at and immediately with just a few, within a day or two, start to implement these things and see some pretty substantial growth and improvement in their business. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's good stuff. Definitely. And, and so that's at MROleaderguide.com. You bet. That's uh, a, that the listeners can find that. Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. What about you? What do you have out there? So I've got um, I've got a few things out there, uh, a few little short uh, video series. One's about the leading effective meetings, and others about uh, leading effective change and things like that. But right now, my primary lead magnet that I have available is um, I guess I'll call it a reference guide. Uh, I put this together a number of months ago, but uh, similar to you about uh, you, you know your MRO guide, there's thirty years of experience. Well, I put together a, a lead magnet that is. Uh, 20 different ways uh, to advance your career, to learn leadership development and things like that. And, and it's meant to be a reference guide. So over the years, I've collected a number of different resources and a different number of different methods. So I've got 20 different methods for, you know, leadership development, advancing your own career and that type of thing. And then in each inside of each of those methods, I've got a large number of specific recommendations for you. So resource recommendations. I think there's over 85 uh, resource recommendations and it's meant to be, uh, you know, a, a, a reference guide. So if, you know, depending on how you learn the best, you can go through those methods and then the individual resources that I offer for you. So like you, it's well over 25 years worth just compilation of the best resources that, that I've used to develop my own leadership yeah. and advance my own career. Yeah, and it's and good so stuff. I'm sharing those with others. And I've watched a bunch of bunch of those videos and uh, I highly encourage them. I like the fact that they're they're very specific topic based and they're 
Uh, you can watch them very quickly, right? So you don't have to invest a, an afternoon or hours into this. You can get a, a quick hitting uh, lesson or or some some information and experience provided to you uh, in just a few minutes. So it, it's it's easy to consume and it's um, readily available. Which the fact that and it's interesting because you're using a video video lead magnet. I'm using a written lead magnet. Right. There's no right or wrong necessarily. It's just different ways of doing it. And um, you know, thinking about just going forward and different league magnets. I'm thinking about the videos as well. And, and, um, and that's, that's, I think my feedback to folks, and I'm certainly going through this personally is a lot of trial and error, right? I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, certainly have a degree in, um, lead magnet, magnetology, (laughs) but, uh, a lot of it's trial and error and seeing what works out there with other people and asking questions and, and just, just, seeing what sticks and just making the connection. And that's what we're doing with this podcast is this is another vehicle for us to make a connection with people to, and you know, what we believe is giving some good leadership uh, coaching or feedback or information and the topic of the week. And then just being transparent on the back end of what we're trying to do with our businesses. Right. Right. You know, and that's the key there is, is uh, everyone learns differently or everyone engages with content differently. Uh, you know, we're just on episode number three of this podcast, but I know uh, based on our numbers, we already have well over two people <laughs> listening to our podcast. But if we only had two, yep. it's very likely that those two people learn things differently. Some people like to read. Some people like to listen. Some people like to watch videos. Some people like hands-on, right? And so what's important for us as content providers is to uh, try to put content out there uh, in the various ways that our audience can resonate with it the best, right? Can engage with it the best. Uh, Some of them, it's going to be video. Some of them, it's going to be reading and so forth. And so as content providers, we've just got to try to uh, provide it in a way that we know will resonate with our audience. So some of it's written, some of it's video. Um, I would just encourage the listeners, engage with whatever uh, you know, resonates with you the most. Yeah. And, and us as contract content creators, it's, it's, as we mature in, in this process, it's, it's how do we get multiple channels of this, right? So I have written products today. I want to do more videos. Michael has videos today. He may want to do more uh, written things because we, we know that we have to um, attract the different ways people learn, the different ways people prefer to consume content. And, you know, everybody's different and you can't, you can't, can't satisfy everybody and everything. But if you could yes. put a couple of core things out there, you can capture uh, a lot of the interest out there from the way people consume content. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons I put together this little ebook that's out there that I have at credibleleaders.com now, because uh, it'll lead you into some of my video content, some of my written content, but then lots of other people's video content and and written content and so forth as well. Again, it's just a reference. Right. But I went through periods of my career where I felt like reading was helping me better and then videos and just, so. Some um, of it's mood. What mood am I in right now? Exactly. Or am I in my vehicle in a commute? Well, my only option at that point is to listen. Um, So, you know, time of day, mood I'm in, phase of life I'm in. That's right. All of that tends to change. And so that's why I put together this little ebook that 
it's like 25 pages or something like that, but it's 20 different ways, um, methods that you can utilize to learn leadership development and advance your career. And then some really serious, really great resource recommendations in it as well. No, I, I think, um, I think you have some really great content out there and uh, it can help people. And that's the goal. We're trying to serve. I'm trying to serve and figure out what service looks like. And um, to me, I have an opinion about what it means to serve, but I need to hear what others think, what others are interested in, because what interests me is not going to interest everybody. And I need to customize content that serves the audience. And that's something I think about a lot to, to how do we bring more value? How do I bring more value and really think of it from a, from a, a place of you know, gratitude and service. And that to me is something that I think fuels me quite a bit. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- that's why I do this. Right? Exactly. If, um, if it didn't spin my wheels to see other people succeed um, in having some influence in that success, you know, serving them in some way, that sees them succeed. Uh, if that didn't spin my wheels, I wouldn't be here doing this now. No, I'm with you there. So I, we definitely have that in common. So how do people get a hold of you? How, what's all of your uh, different ways people can connect with you? Hey, hey the best place to go is credibleleaders.com. Uh, at the top there, I've got links to everything to this podcast. I've got links to the videos on YouTube, blog articles, and so forth, uh, as well as the coaching that I offer. So uh, credibleleaders.com, you can find all the links necessary there at the top. Yep. And what about uh, you? Yep. Great. That's uh, and I'd encourage you to go reach out to Michael and connect with him. You can reach me at uh, aerospaceleader.com. You can also uh, hear and listen to this podcast at the leader, well, not the, let me get the, the out of there. It's leader. Yeah. I got to get that out of there. Uh, leaderpreneurshow.com. And you know, we, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what's on your mind. We want to hear what's important to you. And coaching, you know, Michael mentioned coaching. We both offer uh, coaching to uh, folks out there that if you're, if you're in a tough spot in business or in life, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's about helping people. And, right. and as, as people that go to work, you know, if you, if you go to work and you have challenges in life, you're not going to be your best. And if you, if you are struggling at work and you come home, um, you're not going to be your best. And so it's about helping people, serving others. And I know Michael offers it as well as do I free coaching experiences to uh, help others kind of see through some of the challenges and struggles they may be having. And, and let's see if we can put together a plan and, and help you work through it. So something that uh, we're both very excited about. And I think that'll, Michael, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I'd just like to encourage the audience to uh, to really, as Stephen said, uh, engage, reach out to us. Uh, we don't want this podcast or really any content that we put out there to be, you know, a one-way lecture that we're lecturing to you in some way. Uh, we really want some engagement from from you all. So, uh, yeah, utilize those, uh, those websites that we have. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. I'm going to wrap it the way I always do. Tell our audience to be blessed and lead well. <laughs>